Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. And by Chris Evans. Hello again. And as you can probably tell by my voice, it's been a pretty hectic weekend for us this weekend. (laughs) Uh, We were at the British Grand Prix um, from, what, Friday all the way through to Sunday, and my goodness, what a weekend it was. Um, So let's take you through it, shall we? If you guys are ready? Yeah. As best I can. <laughs> We're all exhausted, but... <laughs> There's a lot to get through, man. This is going to be an ordeal for everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to start pre-race and pre-quali. So the, the so probably the most interesting thing to happen during practice was Grosjean spinning in the pit exit, which was kind of a bizarre thing to see. Did, did, any, did either of you guys ever see how or why that happened? Because it's Grosjean it, and his crap. Oh, <laughs> basically. <wow. laughs> it's a simple answer. He wheel spun, it's changing off the pit limiter. Yeah. And then he spun into the wall. That's basically what happened. Pretty wow. much, yeah. Too much okay. beans off the pit limiter. T- too much beans. Full yeah. beans out of the pits. Okay. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy thing to see. It's obviously not a mistake you'd normally see a professional driver of any series <laughs> if he was going to make those mistakes it's Grosjean though yeah, the prediction flowchart does state though if there is something capable of being crashed into Grosjean will hit it so that is true, true. That is flowchart true. wins again <laughs> yeah you and your flowchart <laughs> it's accurate flowchart never lies it is very accurate so. <laughs> yeah so that was that absolute madness um, on to qualifying Bottas snatched pole by six thousandths of a second that was that's insane. It was a great qualifying, wasn't it? It was well, yeah. it was a weird one because no one really improved in their second runs, did they? It was all sort of done on the first runs in Q one. Pretty much, yeah, it's almost like the track went away from them for those final runs, didn't it? It looked like it was one of those sessions. I don't know if it's the wind picking up because all weekend there was wind whipping across the track. Like at one point, we kind of corner was stood at, but the wind picked up and we just saw about four cars in a row coming. Oh, it was like the exit of Maggots and Beckett's, wasn't it? We yeah, saw like yeah, four cars in a row all yeah, made the same mistake coming through because the wind had picked up so much. We we were sat in the grandstands at Cops A for that, um, where you can see 10 corners of the circuit, we counted. Pretty Remember? good spot. Yeah, awesome spot. Um, yeah, well, more about that later. <laughs> I don't want to get distracted from it. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you all about our race weekend after we've <laughs> yeah. uh, talked about the thing that you're here for, which is the, probably the race proper. Um so yeah, before the race, Kimmy got a couple of laps in the old Alpha. There was a um, for the drivers' parade. Instead of being driven around in an old MGA or an MGB, which they were all being, all the drivers were being driven around in. Kimmy was in the very first Alpha Romeo to win a race. I think it might have won the first Formula One race that car. It did, yeah. It won did the first that. race at Silverstone in nineteen fifty. Would it be? Yeah. Um, uh, let me tell you, it was a little bit slower. Than, uh, just a smidge and a bit more smelly and <laughs> left a lot of smoke behind it and uh, when we saw it in the paddock it was it had an oil pan underneath it <laughs> yeah. containing the the gubbins coming out from underneath it yeah we we stood watching them trying to start it up at one point and it was like being in the inside a thunderstorm with just like clouds of crap coming out of the back of it 
Wow. Um, Lightning. <laughs> I did read an interesting little little story about Kimi driving that as well. Apparently, he was when he got in, he was in first gear and revving it and got, not going anywhere. So he said to like the team, am I doing this right? Um, and the sentence they started was, yes, you are, but there's still blocks under the wheels. Kimi got as far as hearing, yes, you are, gave it some more throttle, bounced off the blocks and just drove away. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. In like a sixty-year-old car. Nice. Is it so? Like the the movement of if if the wheels were off the ground and the car was on blocks, that means the movement of the the inertia of the engine moving just tipped the blocks over and pretty much yeah, and he just put the dro- wheels drove off in a priceless yeah <laughs> irreplaceable car. car. <laughs> wow. Good old Kimmy. Good old Kimmy. Um, so yeah, that was that, and then uh, it was nice to see Lewis being driven around by his dad as well at the start. Yeah, that was cool on the yeah. driver's parade, and with his brother in the car too. That was uh, that was really really nice moment, I think, to see. Really special. Um, the next thing that we saw on the grid was the Red Bull team fixing some cracked end plates on Verstappen's car at the, at the very very last minute. That was quite a dramatic moment for uh, the start of the race for those, and. Um, the final thing to mention pre-race is that we had a fairly massive afternoon on Friday. <laughs> paid the price on Saturday morning on the quality end. That's not a mistake we would make again leading no. into Sunday. Formula 2 cars and hangovers are not a fun combination. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, on to the race. Um, Bottas and Hamilton both got lightning quick starts with Bottas leading the way into Turn 1. And my goodness, were they having a duel that was some pretty uh, mighty racing that they were doing there, wouldn't you say? It was so good. Just so good to see number one and two dicing like that for basically the first like five or six laps, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was that until until Hamilton sort of, you know, eased back a little bit to save his tyres. It was pretty wheel to wheel between those. I mean, Hamilton actually got ahead um, mm. through Luffield only to be retaken through Cops. In, um, I think it was like the fourth lap that was going fourth on. Fourth lap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that move the through comps was insane. Yeah, it was. that was a wild, wild move. That down the, uh, Bottas down the inside at cops as well. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, um, what, it's what you want to see though, isn't it? And you want to let yeah. Mercedes let them do it to an extent because they've got to have that trust in each other. And you could, you could kind of see that there was an element of trust between them of like respect for each other, but they still were willing to push each other to that absolute limit. And that's exactly what you want to see when there's two people fighting for a championship, you know, regardless of if the teammates or not, you want to see them pushing each other as hard as they can. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You want to see wheel to wheel, you know, hard, hard, hard racing. And And I think, um, I think Hamilton said after the race, like had that been a, Ferrari, he was side by side with towards cops. He'd probably have given them a much harder time, but given that it was his teammate, he kind of didn't defend it as hard as he maybe would have done, which is understandable. But even yeah, so, think, it didn't take away from how good a movie was. Yeah, I think it's absolutely he's absolutely justified in in not pushing his teammate off the road. <laughs> the thing is, I think he knew. I think like if he if he'd fought, you know, first first of all, he knows he's like got a decent lead in the championship, so he doesn't have to be fighting tooth and nail over position. But also, he is a team sport and he's a he's a very good professional, isn't he? He's very yeah. good at of what course, he does. Yeah. And not only that, he knows he's got the legs on him. He knows he's, he's 
got to give himself a chance to to be fighting for the lead ra- later in the race. You don't win the race in the first four or five laps. You have to be in it at the end to win it. Yeah. One interesting thing I did read was that Mercedes said before the race they had discussed like the idea that whoever came at the first corner in second would potentially do this like alternate strategy of stretching out the first stint to make it a one-stop rather than the two. So I think as a result of that conversation, Bottas was maybe expecting Hamilton to be looking after his tyres early on, which Hamilton says is exactly why he just went tooth and nail for the first few laps because he knew Bottas wouldn't have been expecting him to be going flat out that early on, which is why he was so aggressive those first few laps. Which, um, yeah, it's interesting all mind games between them. Like they obviously yeah. were in the in the team briefing beforehand, and then Hamilton, knowing what Bottas had been told, did exactly the opposite. Yeah, that's absolute mind games, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Proper, proper gamesmanship. It's using what's available to your advantage, though, as well, isn't exactly. it? Like, you know, we all know that if anybody else knew that information, they'd have done the same thing. But yeah, totally. that's the advantage of racing your teammate is you've got that little bit of insight into what their strategy might be for the race and, and you know, what kind of what they're doing with setup. And that's the blessing and the curse of your teammate, isn't it? Is that... Mm. And they're like sort of the person you're most equipped to fight, I guess. So mm. it's interesting. Well, they're saying that nice guys finish last, don't they? So. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, also on the in the first few corners, in the first few laps, um, Norris and Ricardo looking absolutely spiced through cops and maggots. And it wasn't eventually until Beckett's that the deal was finally sealed with uh, Norris leading Ricardo through chapel. Ricardo seemed to spend his entire race fighting one or the other of the McLarens, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he pretty really much. Did. Couldn't um, get rid of them. Brilliant really, stuff, really though. good racing from those two all through the field. There were some great, you know, there were some great moves. It was really, really exciting to see. Um, yeah, mean. Speaking of great battles, um, Verstappen and Leclerc were having the mother of all scraps <laughs> around lap eleven. Um, until a few laps later, they both fitted. The Red Bull comes out just ahead, only to go wide. Uh, um, is it f- not Farm? What's after Farm Village? Is it uh, the Loop? It's one of those. The loop, one of the I'm, I'm not there. very good at the new corners. Yeah, I'm not good at the new ones either. Um, but anyway, like turn three, uh, no turn four, he goes wide at turn four, and uh, Leclerc gets ahead again, only for the battle to just keep going for lap after lap after lap after lap. It was absolutely epic. There's- there's no way that wasn't a hangover from Austria, is there? Like the way Leclerc was defending against Verstappen. Yeah. That there's no way that wasn't him saying, You're not getting past me that easily again. Yeah, it was proper elbows out. Mm. Yeah, but that's what you want. That that's yeah. oh, that yeah. is exactly how racing should be, is what was going on between them two, in my opinion. Yeah. That's that is what makes this sport its most entertaining and thrilling is when you have got two drivers especially the fact that they are in different teams racing that closely together and to be fair at the minute that that red bull in max's hands looks as capable as the ferrari is in charles's and that looks like the sort of ultimate battle on the grid now for the rest Mm. of the season depending on how progress is made in terms of updates for both teams but the fact that they've been wheel to wheel now two races running in that manner to me would say that that's the battle to now keep watching for the rest of the season yeah let's keep that going yeah um uh, I, 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 I can't if i actually said it or not on the podcast after austria but i think 
there's an argument to be made that defensive driving was probably the weakest point of um, Leclerc's tool set up until that point. But I think this race, he seemed to be going out of his way to prove that wrong, didn't he? Yeah, my, my entire point after Austria was the fact that what happened happened because he left that inside line way too far exactly. open. And Max Verstappen is not the kind of driver you give that much room on the inside when he's trying to overtake you. And it's very evident from Silverstone this weekend that that lesson was learned. Yeah. Uh, and we, we saw that Charles is a very quick learner and he knows <laughs> what to expect from Max. And it's part of why he's a good driver in himself is the fact that he learns from things like that very quickly. Um, but it was it's just extremely good racing. And like I say, it's really exactly why... It is exactly why he's a good driver because he's he's learned from that and mm-hmm. managed to put up that fight like he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so great to see. Until <laughs> Giovinazzi loses control and gets beached in the gravel um, at the probably the worst possible time for Bottas. Um, so a lot happened at this point in the race. A lot happened. So we had the the safety car. There were winners and losers. There was it was just the worst possible time for a safety car to come out for a lot of drivers. Um, and obviously chief of those being Bottas, who didn't really do anything wrong, but he lost the race because of a situation that was really completely out of his and his team's hands, I'd say. Yeah. Um, just to sort of clear up what happened in the safety car. So Hamilton had stayed out um, after Bottas had pitted before the safety car. So just, I think, a little bit after the, the Rebel and the Ferrari pitted, a couple of laps later, Bottas pitted and went on to the medium tyre. So he was looking at probably a two-stop strategy at that point. Um, and Hamilton chose to stay out. And he was running sort of more or less on pace with the leaders. But by the time the safety car, out, car came out, he probably would have been about a second bit behind Bottas still. Did you guys know this? Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. read a bit of this earlier. Yeah. So that's not what happened. The safety car did come out. Hamilton pitted and obviously came out miles ahead of... Uh, and it was miles ahead of yeah. Bottas, wasn't it? It took him yeah. ages to sort of catch up onto the back of the safety car. Um, And that was more or less it for the race at the front. Like Hamilton got a clean start, clean getaway and just went for it. But, you know, this race being what it was, and I'm sure you all watched it, had plenty more up its sleeve to keep us entertained. So just to go through sort of some of the other cars that lost out and and won during during the safety car period, we're going to have a little safety car break, (laughs) just like in the real race. Um, The biggest winner, I would say, during that period i don't know if you guys have got another one but for me it was science because having pitted for hard tires early on it meant he could stay out during the safety car with his one stop strategy and he uh finished sixth having started 13th on the grid so he won big time there yeah it was impressive drive that to keep those tires alive to the end and he was holding off lots of people behind him as well worked out very well yeah um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure if it was actually from the pit stops. I've have, I'd have to check, but Kvyat definitely benefited somewhere because he went from being well down the order around that time. Um, because I think he pitted around the same sort of time as Max and Charles during that whole back and forth they were having during their pit stop. Kvyat did, pitted yeah. around then, 
but yeah. he, as far as I know, then went to the end and he ended up in the points and he'd started like back in 17th or something. So he had a pretty decent clawback of positions and I'm pretty sure it was down to the safety car. He pitted twice, actually. Did he? Yeah, he, he, he pitted he on lap 12. He pitted on lap 12 to change soft to mediums, then pitted again under the safety car to change to hards and then took those to the end. Yeah, so... It, so yeah. Maybe he's not the safety car that's benefited him specifically then, I guess. Just just a good drive. <laughs> yeah, I guess as soon as you stop on lap 12, you're committed to a two-stop. So the fact that he was able to make that second stop under the safety car at least helped him. But yeah, yeah. a lot of other people well, he, did that. So He did there what Lando Norris should have done. So Yes. What... What uh, one of the biggest lose? Another big loser from this was Lando Norris, who yeah he didn't pit under the safety car. It was on the medium tires, so he would have to pit later at racing speed. It was on lap thirty five. Eventually, did and he lost six places to coming out in fourteenth. Managed to recover to twelfth, um, but he was running as high as sixth on lap thirteen during the first round of of pit stops. So you know he was. I'd say he was pretty unlucky i don't understand why mclaren didn't pit him because they they were leaving saint science out he'd already pitted for his hard tires there was no reason not to pit norris but they chose not to yeah if he had done the same thing as kvyat because he only pitted lap after kvyat to change from softs to mediums so if he had done the same and stuck sorry yeah softs to medium if he'd done the same as kvyat stuck some hards under the safety car he would probably have been well up in the points i don't really understand their logic in leaving him out there to be honest with you yeah, but it's every, so many cars pitted at that point. It, it seems crazy. Like the, everyone around him is going to be on a better, fresher tires, and b. I mean, they're, they're going to be faster the whole time. And you, I guess it's possible, could... just in terms of track position, at the point the safety car came out, he had already passed the pit lanes. That he decided it wasn't worth it, maybe. having missed the first opportunity, something like that, maybe. But mm. yeah, it was a real shame. It ruined what had been a really good weekend for him up to that point. I suppose without seeing where he caught the safety car queue up as well, they, like you say, mm. depending on where everything fell into place, the window might have just not been there and they've had to maybe risk without it. But Ferrari had a, an almost similar mishap, didn't they? Because Vettel took advantage the same as Hamilton did because Vettel was stringing the tyres out as long as he could, same as Hamilton. And the whole thing with Leclerc was Max came in and then Leclerc had to come in to cover off Max, but I'd have thought that maybe Leclerc should have been coming in at the same time as Max. It seems like they'd already pitted Vettel and got him out of the way. But that that seemed to cause Leclerc an issue and put him back behind Max after the, the work yeah. that had gone on in the first place. So yeah. It's yeah. that classic Ferrari can only do strategy for one car. Thing, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, yeah, it was. That's exactly what it was, really. Just hire more strategists, Ferrari. <laughs> just, yeah, well, just if you've got one, they, they should get a second, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, appear, they appear to be backing the wrong bloke at this point anyway, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, th- those are the sort of... Obviously, the very biggest loser was Bottas, who, who just, you know... Okay. Do we think here's a here's a question for you both? Do we think Bottas would have won this race had it not been for that safety car? And think hard about it because Hamilton would have come out behind on fresher mm. tires. He'd have definitely well, had to defend for it, but we'd already seen early in the race he was capable of it. I think it would have depended on the exact sort of tire and life of each driver's tires, you know, as to where we would have ended up. I guess. Well, according to Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, 
even before the safety car, they had already committed to Hamilton being on a one-stop and Bottas being on a two-stop. So even if Hamilton had come out a couple of seconds behind him, all he needed to do was stay within a pit stop's distance of him and Bottas would have to pit again and come out behind Hamilton. Now, the question there would be on fresh rubber, would Bottas have been able to catch Hamilton? But given that Hamilton did the fastest lap of the race on the last lap on old hard tyres, I would say probably not. (laughs) Yeah, I read a pretty damning stat actually around that fastest lap. Hamilton's fast lap at the end on the last lap of the race on don't know how many lap old hard tires was faster than Williams managed in qualifying. Ouch. Big ouch. That's that's so bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, Shall we go back to the race? Back yeah, to the race. Safety car's coming in this lap. The, the safety car interlude <laughs> is over. The safety car is coming in this lap and we're back and we're racing again. And obviously Hamilton did just absolutely lead the pack. It was a yeah. perfect restart and he really pulled, was. A, pulled a gap as well. Um, obviously on his fresher, hard tyres than Bottas's old mediums. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually um, sat watching that at the race. Um, I could hear you, Stu, uh, explaining to your mate who was there who didn't know as much about us. You were sort of saying, so what while didn't happen there is Hamilton will back the pack up and then he'll kind of wait for the right moment. And, oh, he's gone. There he goes. <laughs> like, didn't even have time to explain it before he just yeah. went. <laughs> yeah. He went really early, didn't he? He did, yeah. But it's that's kind of like an interesting way of doing it, doing it that early because no one can overtake anyone <laughs> yeah. when you do leave that early because everyone's at racing speed. But like someone makes a mistake you haven't gone past the safety car line so you've got to hang back while they make the mistakes <laughs> it's Weird. opposite back here really yeah um yeah anyway so um it, it that wasn't what was interesting at the end of the safety car period what was interesting was leclerc and verstappen carrying on their mighty mighty scrap um continuing to swap positions eventually after dicing for Goodness knows how many laps they. Uh, it was Verstappen who would get ahead, and um, Red Bull were actually able to use. He quickly caught up Gasly, and Red Bull were able to use Gasly as a buffer <laughs> to <laughs> slow to allow Verstappen to get back onto the get up to the back of Vettel, um, and that leads us nicely to <laughs> the incident, the sequel, three <laughs> point <3.0. laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the sequel, the sequel. Um, yeah, so. Verstappen gets around Vettel, um, and again, they're dicey. there was a lot of really dicey racing this race, and this was one of the dicey moments. Vettel's sort of trying to get the position back. He locks up under the braking into Luffield? No, club. No, it was into was it the other where one? Abby Chicane, of, right at the end of the lap. Club. Or, or other Luffield. As I like <laughs> <to call> it. <laughs> nice save. It is, it's called club. <laughs> right, yes, club, that's it. We basically named every corner on the track except the right one. <laughs> What's not interesting is us chatting about the names of corners, but what is interesting is this incident that we will eventually talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, so Vettel uh, Vettel has since held his hands up and said he just he just made a mistake. Um, and, you know, to err is human. Uh, well, yeah, this is normally where we discuss who was at fault, but the fact that Vettel has just said it was me yeah, kind of takes away our, our jobs, doesn't it? It's a good yeah. job and, he did, and, really, because he was at fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he definitely... I mean, there's not, he's not going to be able to talk his way out of it, is he? That's the main reason he's admitting fault. But I, I still, like, there was a lot of, like, movement 
and weaving going on through the through really? these all you of think? these battles it looked like like not just this one but i mean like a lot of like the verstappen battles they definitely that some of the leclerc verstappen moves they were both like trying to position each other sort of almost off the track there were multiple moves going on it looked like i don't know if you guys spotted this but like for me i, like, I don't think i moments. consider anything that happened a multiple move like don't get me wrong there were there was let's call it late defending, like making yeah. their actual move as late as possible. But I wouldn't necessarily call many of them, if any, double moves. Mm. Well, that's a Verstappen special, isn't it? Late defending is what he does yeah. best. To me, like what happened with Vettel and Verstappen specifically is Vettel was initially looking for that inside line and to be honest, even before Max made a little bit of a move in that direction, and it was minuscule in my opinion, the move that he did make, yeah. but even before he started moving that way, the gap wasn't ever there. He was always nah, going to have to go yeah, around the outside because of the way Max was already over to that side. And I think it, it was very reminiscent for me of when the two Red Bulls came together at Baku, and it was one of those things where there's a very late move to defend the line, and then breaking as you swoop underneath the rear end of another car is never going to no. improve your braking situation and mm-hmm. thus a lockup occurs and you slide into the back of the other car. And it was not exactly the same, but it was just very reminiscent of when the yeah. two Red Bulls came together at Baku for me. Yeah, just a bit clumsy, wasn't it, really? you can If you watch Fells on board, you can see why he, for that split second, thought the inside line was going to become open, but then... yeah. In another split second, it becomes very apparent it's not. But by that point, he had kind of committed and it was too late. Yeah. Mm. Um, why is it that this always seems to happen to Verstappen? There's two. This is two occasions where people have gone into the back of Verstappen. I can't <laughs> think of any other driver that's had people go into the back of him as often. As you say, he's known for these late defensive moves. And I guess that's the risk you take if you're going to do that, isn't it? I mean, on, on this occasion, I don't think it was his defending with the was the cause of the incident but no it certainly would have played a part yeah i think as well like going back to the one i'm comparing it to between danny rick and verstappen it that one was i think we sort of eventually kind of decided it was a bit of both their faults it was a bit of a ambitious dive but it was also a bit of edgy defending that was like a little aggressive and this is a little bit more it's the defense you would have expected coming down into that corner regardless. And mm. Vettel's maybe split second, like you say, thought he's maybe got a chance. And then a, a split second later realized, no, that's not happening, but it's already too late to do anything about it. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of storylines then that this sort of plays into. One of them is that Verstappen is a very, very staunch defender. <laughs> and uh, the other one is that, you know, Vettel. He keeps making mistakes, doesn't yeah. he? He keeps on like since last season. Now he's he's made numerous, numerous errors, and now he's even admitting to making these mistakes. Um, I, it's just, it's, I I'm trying to think of a way of phrasing this question right without sounding like a douche. <laughs> but is is Vettel kind of? Has he lost it? Has he lost his touch at this point? In my opinion, and I've been saying this all weekend and this incident sort of personified it for me, I think that his 
head isn't quite 100% on his career in F1 anymore because I, this this is pure speculation on my part of what my opinion of Vettel, the way he's been driving and then circumstances around that that I'm like putting together myself. So it could be completely wrong, but I've just got a feeling that within the next year or two, we might see him decide that he's had enough and just go spend time with his family because in the same way Rosberg retired because it was like a case of I've won a world title that's pretty much the pinnacle of this sport I can't do anything other than win more of these I would rather go now and spend time with my family and my kids Mm -hmm. that I've now got and stuff like that Vettel's in a very similar situation there and he's always been very cautious of the fact that he doesn't want to bring his private life into the racing world and vice versa. And I think maybe now he's he's sort of growing a family. That's where his mind's starting to go. And he, he's maybe thinking about going. And that's yeah. where these mistakes mm. are coming from because his mind is not 100% on what's happening in a race weekend. Like, not that... I'd, I, it's, it's hard to word what I mean, I guess, but I've just got a feeling that he's maybe considering hanging it up. I guess. Well, you say you're saying that. I think what it sounds like to me, what, what I'm getting from it, is that he's he's got sort of he's lost that do or die mentality. Yeah. So some drivers seem to be able to do it. Some drivers don't, don't they? Yeah, it's like that killer instinct of of being on the edge of the limit at all times, and you still see it from Max and Charles and Lewis very regularly that they are always pushing everything to that limit. And we saw it from Seb for so many years, but I don't think we've seen it from him like this year and last year specifically. Mm. And maybe we all thought initially it was the pressure of the young guns, like Danny Rick maybe ousted him out a little bit at Red Bull and then Leclerc on his way up into Ferrari. Maybe we thought that was the factors initially, but maybe it's just other factors and it's just that he's he's genuinely Mm. had enough. (laughs) Well, what about the narrative that, Vettel just can't race because every championship mm-hmm. he's won, he's he's been at the front and he's you know he's never we've never really seen him have really really dicey races where he's had to really really fight for a win. I don't know. And every time we have seen him racing, he's always you know come off second we've, best. So we've I seen him drive well. through the field before, though. Granted, he's had a better car than a lot of those he's been driving through, but that's only the same as when Lewis drives through the field and everyone says, "Oh, look, Lewis." was down yeah. 20th and he's driven his way back up to second. Like Vettel's done that on a few occasions when he was winning championships at Red Bull. So it's not like he can't like it's not like he can't overtake, which was always the thing that was thrown at him. Yeah, that was the narrative for a long time, wasn't it? That like yeah. Vettel can only win from the front. And I think I think he's done enough over the years to disprove that, but is he as good a racer as a Hamilton or a Verstappen? Not so much. I'm not talking about overtaking slower cars though. I'm talking about racing equally matched cars. It feels like he can't do that. I don't think he's as days. good at it as other drivers on the grid. I think that's yeah, fair I'll say, to say. That, Sorry, yeah. It's unfair to say he can't do it. Of course he can do it. He has done it. But yeah, he's not as good at it as yeah. other drivers in the field. His, his personality's changed though as well, which I, th- I think is part of the reason that I'm starting to think what I am because he's not the sort of bubbly, crazy frog quoting happy-go-lucky <laughs> guy that he, he used to be when he was in, in, let's say, his prime, if you want to call it that. And now you're getting that sort of mentality from people like Max, Danny Rick, Charles and stuff like that. They're, they've 
they're the ones with that personality. And he's just, I don't know, just very downbeat a lot of the time. And like, even when he's doing all right, he's still like, yeah, it was all right. Like there's no almost passion, I guess anymore. It's, it's just Mm. really weird. It's, I don't know. Mm. Well, that, I think that's reminiscent of like Ferrari feel that that, that whole attitude at Ferrari, the passion is missing. Yeah. I think from Ferrari, yeah. you, you mentioned passion. Passion's a really good word. Cause you think of passion, you think of Ferrari and you think of passionate racing drivers, passionate Italians who want to go out and win races with gusto and with, with, you know, with, with a bit of showmanship. And what we're actually getting from Ferrari is sort of really, really sharp, short interviews, downbeat drivers and poor performances and 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 terrible strategy choices <laughs> and you you kind of yeah you do wonder where that kind of that happiness has gone from yeah. from these drivers like Leclerc even I don't think Leclerc is anything like a sort of happy and perky now as what he was at the start of the season I feel like there's things going on at Ferrari that are sort of pulling these drivers down a little bit myself there is that but i think leclerc is one of those drivers as well that's he's he's his own critic like he's his own biggest critic and he will be the one that will say i've messed that lap up or i've made that mistake and this is my fault and i will aim to do better for you guys and the team are like no 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 Mm. it's fine like you've done amazing and he's like no i need to do better to do better than this because i know i made a mistake um so i think when charles is unhappy it's more that he's unhappy with himself rather than anything that's going on Mm. in the team i can see where maybe the the team being downbeat would then i guess reflect like that on him but I think that's more just that he is a perfectionist. And to be fair, it's probably one of his better traits because that's what drives him to get better and better is he knows when he's made a mistake and he is the one that will criticise himself for it to make sure that he does do better next time, which we've seen on a few occasions this season already. So yeah. I've still got hope for him mm. is all I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah. Still hopeful. I will say, if you look at uh, Charles Leclerc's Instagram, he had a very, very good time in the race on uh, Sunday. He very much enjoyed this one. So there's there's definitely life yet in him (laughs) yet. (laughs) Um, Is there life in Vettel? Where does Vettel go from here? Home. (laughs) Another kind of version of this narrative I've seen is that the kind of lack of results and the mistakes and everything for Vettel, you can kind of trace back to him crashing out in Germany last year. Like all of the question marks over Vettel have kind of come up since then. And how how much did that losing that victory in that fashion kind of really knock him back and he's had a hard time coming back from that potentially? Like he's only won, I think, one race since then in um Spa last year. Mm. If he doesn't win the next couple of races, he'll go a full calendar year without winning a race which mm. has not happened for him for a very long time, I don't think. I wonder if he has a sports psychologist or anyone to support him in, like, mentally. don't know, but Roman Grosjean could probably hook him up with one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, whoever Roman Grosjean's using, I'd steer clear of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not that one. Um, anyway. Anyway. Shall we, shall we move on before we fall into the realms of slagging off Sebastian Vettel unfairly? <laughs> um, so... Um, as a result of the incident, um, 
Verstappen was dropped down to fifth and Vettel to the back of the field um, to finish in 16th, second from last on the road, one lap down. Um, Leclerc would eventually finish third, Gasly fourth, Verstappen fifth, with another Mercedes 1-2 at the front, led by Hamilton. Um, A few other mentions, just really quickly. Um, Haas had another shocker. Um, They ran two different specs of uh, car, one from early season and another one from the update that they took in Barcelona and they're trying to figure out which one is quicker. Um, obviously wouldn't have gathered much data from that this weekend since they were both out of the race by <laughs> lap six, seven, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, didn't take one. Um, yeah, racing point um, weren't that great either. Um, they had a bit of a collision with the Renaults. I think that was during the safety car restart. It was, yeah. Yes, that was Perez um, with his front wing, wasn't it? Yeah, Perez lost the front wing, so that would relegate him quite badly down the field. And um, on a positive, George Russell got himself up to 14th. I think that's the highest he's finished all season. I believe right? it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, at, at his home Grand Prix. They say your home Grand Prix is worth, the crowd is worth three temps per lap. And my goodness, he <laughs> pulled that one out of the bag. Partly thanks to Vettel having his retirement and fought off the back. Vettel finished two tenths behind Kubica. Despite a 10-second penalty and a lap with a puncture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And finally, Red Bull made the fastest ever pit stop, a 1.91 seconds. And it's a doozy. Um, Check it out. It's on YouTube on the Formula 1 on the Formula 1 YouTube channel. Um, Yeah, so shall we do some Drivers of the day, people. Yes. Yeah. Who are you going for? I mean, Hamilton's kind of an obvious choice. He always is. He always is. You do have to wonder if he would have won that race without the safety car intervention. I probably think he still would have done, but it would have been nice to see him win it. I think if he'd won it on the road, then he'd probably been a shoo-in for it. But the fact that he didn't maybe takes a little bit away from that. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I, I get that because... It was purely the the look of the safety car that made the win as dominant as it was, I guess. Yeah. Is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. And I would have much preferred to have seen those two dice it out again like they did at the start of the race. Like Even if it was, like we said before, like Bottas having to make that second stop and coming out behind him on fresh tyres, Hamilton defending on the, the old hards versus Bottas attacking on fresh and softer rubber, whichever compound they'd gone for, would have been a really interesting fight to see because yeah. we would have seen if Bottas could attack the same way Hamilton was at the start of the race and that would have been like the turning point of it all, wouldn't it? But it's, yeah. So we, we were, were kind of robbed, robbed of that, I guess, weren't we, realistically, mm. from the safety car? Right. This, this always happens. This always happens when there's a race at the front. Something will happen further down the field to bring out a safety car and, and cock it all up. Hmm. It seems like every time we're in for a really, really tight fight for the lead, we get... But, robbed like what, what's really um, bad about that i think as well is how obvious it was because at the time that safety car came out we all turned to each other and went okay so hamilton's won now <laughs> like as as regular yeah. watchers we of it the race, we, yeah. we instantly knew what that meant um which is a shame because yeah it, it luckily the rest of the field were amazingly entertaining for the rest of the race but it kind of just took the edge off because you kind of knew that without something major going on, that was pretty much the race done for the for the lead. Yeah, I, I'm with you both. I don't really want to give it to Hamilton. No, partly because we were robbed, and partly because it, it's just so obvious, isn't it? It's so obvious to give him it all every time. Mm-hmm. Yes, he he did. It was a mighty drive, but 
you've, we've got Sainz written down here as well, 13th to 6th, um, with a little bit of help from a safety car. But like like you already mentioned, Chris, um, we did have to fend off Ricardo. Um, that was a heck of a heck of a battle to watch as well. Yeah, it went right field. to the wire. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's worth a, he's worth a shout. I, I think Max deserves a little bit of credit for getting that car home because after that contact, I'm amazed that he managed to finish the race. And by the sounds of some of the damage he was dealing with um, and some of the issues after being hit, it sounds like it was not easy to get that car home either. So yeah. I don't think he's worth um, maybe well, driver of the day, but I think it's worth the with at least a mention, the fact that he was in such a, a state after the incident hmm. and still managed to get the car home where he did. Yeah, well, not only that, he had he had some really, really good fights as well. Yeah. So yeah. he was very entertaining to watch, as was Leclerc. Leclerc's, if, you, if you're going to mention, I don't think you can mention Verstappen in this context without mentioning very true. Leclerc. Yeah. Leclerc was like absolutely on fire. Um, he put his car in all the right places. Yeah, he probably didn't quite have this, the the quickest race car compared to Verstappen and that's what sort of got Verstappen passed in the end and and Red Bull strategically used I think Gasly obviously to slow yeah um Leclerc down but still like absolutely heroic drive from Leclerc to uh, to to be in the right place at the right time and get it into third place I mean it's almost like a reverse Ferrari strategy normally they screw Leclerc when actually they've <laughs> what what they've done is they've just sacrificed <laughs> maybe they put the, the little button down the radio that says crash into Max Verstappen. <laughs> well yeah it's like oh okay we messed up the strategy a little bit with uh you Charles so what we're gonna do is we're gonna send Seb to deal with the issue for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Br- brace yourself you can have third yeah yeah you can have third um <laughs> just but I think my vote's st- go on Chris I said just on Gasly I, I, you mentioned him um they, Red Bull actually had to ask Gasly three times to let Verstappen through. And in the end, Christian Horner had to get on the radio to tell him to let Verstappen through because Gasly just did not want to have to let him pass and was claiming that he wasn't holding him up, which is uh, interesting. I, I, mean, I, feel, I do feel for Gasly a little bit in that situation personally because this weekend he's come back as strong as I think we've probably seen him since he got in the yeah. Red Bull. And... It was a shame in a way because he was asked to let Verstappen pass more or less, like rather than Verstappen having to fight for it. And I think that is a little bit of a shame, but it's one of those things, isn't it? You can see why the teams yeah. do it, but it's a shame for us that Max didn't have to fight for it. But then again, mm. we all wanted to watch Max and Charles. So <laughs> as much as I don't like the team orders, I'm kind of glad that they did. Because <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I don't like the team really orders, is. but I wanted Max and Charles to fight some more. So <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't really mind that team order because Gasly was on a totally different strategy. Yeah. yeah. He, was on, he, he was on the one stop, he was on the hard tyres at that point. So he was, he was clearly going to hold up Max. Yeah. And when there's a podium on offer the way there absolutely was. I mean that you know that um that crash with Vettel that was for third place. Yeah. Um there's a lot of team points that at stake, you know, in that situation. Um Max deserved to be on that podium. He, he lost he did lose out during the safety car, so it, it would only be right for Gasly to let him back through, I would have said, from a team perspective. Yeah, it, it, I'm just glad realistically that Pierre seems to be a bit more on the wavelength of the others in the top six now 
Yeah, he's, he, well, he's cracked it. As it looks this weekend, it definitely looked like he'd cracked yeah. it. Like so he's flicked the switch and he's found yeah, the pace that, was, that, that he was missing. For that first like 20, 25 laps or so, he was right there in that fight with um, Verstappen and the Ferraris, wasn't he? Like they yeah. were all together. And, which was and really he was in see. the mix during free practice and quali as well. So he was always there or thereabouts. And whether this does come down to the whole rumours that were going around that Max was getting a lot of updates and Pierre was still waiting on some of them. And now the cars are a bit more equal, possibly. It, it could come down to that. But whatever it is that's led to this, I just hope that he can now build on that because it's a, it should be a positive weekend for him despite the whole team orders thing. Um, yeah, But none of this has led us any closer to a driver of the day, has it? We've just no, talked about um, lots for, of other things. For me, things. I, I'm still... I'm still science. I'm still science for driver of the day. It's, he's, had, he's had a few really good drives this season. I think this is one of them. Let me let me put this in the mix though. <laughs> After Vettel hit the back of Verstappen, Verstappen had a broken diffuser. His power steering had gone, and his seat was loose inside the car. Oh, yeah. and he still bought it home in fifth, only about five seconds behind his teammate. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was sort of on about before. The, the, the yeah. difficulty he must have gone through to bring that car home is at least worthy of a mention, even if it's not worthy of the actual award. I actually was all for signs, but but remembering that, I think I'm actually leaning towards Max now. So I'm going to, I guess, give you the casting vote, Tom. Oh, no, I didn't want this. I'm going to vote for... I'm going to annoy everybody and vote for Max, I think, because I brought up the fact that <laughs> he drove yeah. home in that state. And I think that... Leclerc is a very close second behind him for me as well. Yeah. To be fair to him, he did give us some of the best racing the whole day. That so is also you true. You can't really can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, move of the day, please. Uh, we've got uh, Bottas retaking the lead from Hamilton into Cops on lap four. Uh, we've got Leclerc v Verstappen, all of it. <laughs> and we've got Leclerc past Gasly around the outside of the village. That was one hell of a move. Yeah, that was really that, good. That one was going to be my personal record like choice for this, I guess, was that move around the outside. That was mega to hold that around there. Yeah, I was trying what to about pick you? a Leclerc Verstappen bit to pick as my like specific one and just couldn't choose one. But yeah, then I remembered the Leclerc passing Gasly one. And I think that it, the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, like Bottas through Cops was very impressive, but he was against his teammate who was giving him a bit more room than you would ordinarily. But mm, Leclerc yeah. on the outside of Gasly was crazy impressive yeah yeah um i think that's unanimous nice leclerc past gasly around the outside of village um and finally um the do you want to play the, the sting honestly what the f- are we doing here um wtf moment obviously grosjean crushing in the pit exit is a pretty big uh, big one and <laughs> yeah another haas related one is the house is coming together on the first lap leading to a double retirement um, I'm sure Gunter had a few things to say about that. Yeah. The interesting thing is, I don't know if you guys have seen the onboards of it, but if it was, regardless of what two cars it was, you'd probably just put it down to a racing incident. But because it's teammates, they shouldn't, they just really shouldn't be there, should they? There's just... No. Mm. You, you don't put yourself in that position with a teammate. Yeah. It was bizarre. It's just more Haas being Haas at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, like, it really is. The the car seems to be nowhere for them, especially during the races. Um, yeah, Grosjean seems to be falling into very bad old habits that he's had in the past. Like <laughs> doing what he did in the pit lane is very reminiscent of him doing what he did under the safety car. 
Oh no, was yeah. it? Oh no, that was was it him under the safety car? Oh, in Baku. In Baku, yeah, it was. Yeah. We're, we're, and then like trying to blame it on somebody else as well. Like <laughs> I don't know. It all, it all just yeah. He tried to it was tried to blame it on Ericsson. Yeah, yeah year, it's like that was last season. It just it all feels very reminiscent of a, a, a bad side to Grosjean we've seen a few yeah. times before. To me, it smacks of two drivers under pressure with a lot to prove. Yeah, yeah. that's what it neither of them was prepared to back out of it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking um, of Grosjean, actually, and there mm-hmm. is a rumor. And it's nothing more than a rumor right now, but a rumor came out of the Formula E paddock this weekend oh. that with Porsche coming into Formula E next year, Andre oh. Lotterer is going to be leaving the Tachita team to go back to Porsche, who obviously drove four in World Endurance Championship. Uh-oh. And that Grosjean is being lined up to take Lotterer's seat at Tachita in Formula E next season. Well, he's picked the right series to go to, hasn't he? They're always bumping yeah. the badge in. <laughs> if there's oh, enough red oh, flags oh, really. in that series. Or yeah. they've he's picked completely the wrong series because if there is a wall, he will find a way to hit it. <laughs> and those circuits are nothing but walls. <laughs> like that is the worst series he could have possibly ever gone yeah. to. <laughs> if I was Roman Grosjean, I'd be avoiding Formula E like the plague yeah. for that reason. Like, go do the Dakar <laughs> Rally or something where it's just open space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do something open. <laughs> oh. So who are we giving it to? It's got, I mean, we've got to be Grosjean Pit Exit, right? Thing, yeah. It's, it's got to be, be uh, it's yeah. silly. Okay, um, that's unanimous. Right, that's that. I'm going to take you all through really, really quickly our race weekend. So um, uh, we got there on Friday morning, um, early early doors to see... A f- who, what did we see first, guys? What Formula 2 probably, wasn't it? For- yeah, Formula 2 practice. Yeah, we got there just as the Formula 2s were doing practice and we erected our flag... <laughs> Um, which you would have seen throughout the race weekend popping up here, there, and everywhere, particularly at the end of the race weekend when uh, Tom took it down to see Lewis. <laughs> um, Do you know what? I want to say thank you to everyone because not only have they sent those to the back of the grid, I've had people like find my account personally and send them directly to <laughs> me and go, I found you. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. It was super cool having so many people like spot us and send pictures and loads of people yeah, came coming up to, to us say hello. hello yeah like yeah really appreciate really that. awesome that was really exciting like we we see in front of microphones every week and talk into the internet and then we see some numbers that say people listen to us but to actually like talk to people face to face who download our podcast and listen every week is is very very cool so yeah. massive thanks to everyone who came to say hello to us yeah yeah, and just and and just how excited people are when <laughs> when they see you as well. It's like, oh, I listen to your podcast. This is amazing kind of thing. This is just really really good. Very fun. cool. Yeah, really yeah good to see. So yeah, more of that next year, please. Um, yeah. So I guess like the easiest way of doing this, I think at this point, is probably for each of us to pick out our favorite moment from the race weekend because we're a little bit short on time. I feel like. Oh, that's difficult. Um, Mine are very personal i guess like it's fine the, they can be they can the, be personal the, the, these there's two things for me and i think that's being being part of that whole thing with lewis at the end which is where some of the flag pictures came from from people catching a sight of it but like being there for that was surreal because it's not very often that you get that opportunity no matter how many races you go to and then probably the other thing was, as daft as it sounds, getting the opportunity to have a talk to Martin Brundle because, like, he's been a broadcaster and F1 like hero to some degree of mine for a long time. Yeah. So to actually get just five minutes to say hello to him was 
blew my mind, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and he was a very, <laughs> very cool. lovely man as well, wasn't he? Like, he, he, I don't know, he just came across a very nice man, like, took the time to say hello and everything. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. That's really nice. Did uh, did Johnny Herbert do a little dance? Johnny Herbert was on his scooter. <laughs> yeah. Was he? Was he scooting? Did he fall off of it? He's known for falling <laughs> off. Luckily not. We, we, were, we were stood there thinking, is he going to fall off at any point? But luckily not. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what was your favourite moment? I think me and me and Tom's like shared highlight was getting to see the um, the Braun GP car up close. Like we stood about a foot away from the thing, and we just kind of stood there for about five minutes, just kind of appreciating it because we both just adore that car. And I think '09 was probably both of our favourite seasons. So that was that was very very special. Yeah. In terms of favourite moment, other than that. I did see um, Jean Todd trying to go in the FIA garage and his pass didn't work and he just like stood there at a closed <laughs> door and stared at it for a while and nothing happened. That was quite entertaining. <laughs> Otherwise, just like being at the race with a bunch of my mates was awesome. We should shout out a uh, friend of the show and uh, jingle maker extraordinaire, Ashley Foster as well, who uh, gave us somewhere to stay for the weekend and came with <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're very lucky to have that. Thanks, Ash. Yes, thank you very much, Ash. Uh, but yeah, just being at such a good race with lots of cool people was, it was just great. I used to love the weekend so much. And that train agrees, apparently. <laughs> yeah, the train, just just, uh, just to, inf- I actually got my window open, so that's my story about that. <laughs> have you, Stu? I've got a few. Like, my first one is probably getting to getting up close to the, the jump out, the Getting up close to the gold leaf lotus yes. uh, yeah. was a, a particular highlight of mine. Hearing it fire up as well from literally like a foot away was <laughs> just like unbelievable. And then later on in the day on Saturday, seeing the historic cars going around the circuit, um, again at very close quarters, you know, down the start finish straight, um, that was mind-blowing and properly racing as well those yeah and they were really racing yeah free safety cars in the <laughs> race um uh, what else there was the obviously just the event itself just being around the place and and enjoying it getting to enjoy the paddock getting to enjoy like just the atmosphere around the entire venue is always really really good it, fun um, it's very nice over the last people. couple of years that we've been between us um it's very nice to see what Liberty is starting to build up in terms mm. of what's available to fans at the circuit, regardless of what's going off on track, even though they're doing what they can to sort of fill some of those gaps where there's not a huge amounts of track action. Things that are starting to pop up in the fan zone, like having, what was it? It was the Mercedes from last year, a McLaren from last year, and a Red Bull from 2017 before a the while week, back. Week yeah. So, like, but to, to be able to like literally get within touching distance of of those uh, chassis and stuff was something that you probably wouldn't have gotten in an earlier era. So it, it's, no. it's it's very nice to see what they've been doing over the last few years. And, and like I said, we've kind of seen it gradually, I guess, but for people maybe going for the first time or even people that have been going for years and stuck with nothing to do between sessions, like stuff like that's awesome to see. You can definitely feel that Liberty shine on it, can't you, these days? And it's... Yeah. It is very welcome when you're there for three days straight. Like, you're never short of something to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. And, and one of the most dramatic moments for me in the entire weekend was watching the... Uh, 
Cricket World Cup unfold. <laughs> yes, <after> the race. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, still some good enough to put but... that on the screens after the race for people who wanted to yeah. watch the end of that. With the mental band that we're playing as well. Yeah, that band. The, what, what? the most insane <laughs> covers band you've ever seen. The opening two songs being Circle of Life and Backstreet's Back. Like, yeah. how you link those two songs and then go into a set bizarre. from there. Absolutely bizarre. Very strange. Anyway, it was an amazing weekend. Yes, it was, it was really, fantastic. Really good fun. Um, uh, oh, finally, I want to ask you both where your favourite thing, where, where your favourite location to watch the cars was. It's it's got to be Maggots and Beckett's, hasn't yeah, it? It's really boring, but it's where I always go at least once during a race weekend at Silverstone. Yeah, so. I honestly don't think there's a better place in the world to watch Formula One cars than there. Uh, my favourite sort of grandstand location has to be, I mentioned it at the, at the top of the show, um, was the Cops A grandstand was next level. You could see so much from there. The the grandstand that runs along Maggots and Beckett's as well, that's that's impressive just because you've not only got Maggots and Beckett's right in front of you, but you can see them run out of Cops into Maggots and Beckett's all the way down Hangar Strait. And then because of how high that grandstand is, you can actually see the infield section, which is like the exit of turn three, round the loop, and then down the Wellington Strait. So you can actually see so much of what's going on at once. And if you were debating a grandstand seat personally, I'd recommend taking a look at that for seats because you just get to see so much from yeah. from those Beckett seats. Like being at Lydon Hill. You almost don't know where to look. Yeah. You almost don't know where to look. There's so much to see from that grandstand. It's the best grandstand on the entire circuit, as far as I could tell. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Shall we move into some predictions? Yes. Yeah, let's go through them. Not as good a week as most will have expected, I imagine, but <laughs> not too bad of a week for me and Chris, at least. Um, we both came away with two points, both getting Hamilton for the win, and Chris also got 17 finishes correct. Um, and I got Kubitz's finishing position correct at 15. Um, Stu, you were really unlucky, actually, because you you went for that whole element of, I don't think Hamilton will nail the whole weekend, but it was the wrong way around, sadly. Yeah, yeah. It meant you came away with nothing, and we've closed the gap yeah. on you a little bit. So Yeah, and the Magic 16 didn't work either this weekend. Yeah. It's not been doing me much good. Yeah, the Magic 16's back. What was worse again there for you is that both the Magic 16s, it's like the number either side. You've got Kibitzer in 15th and finishes on 17. You're like, it's just yeah. unlucky. It had to happen sooner or later. We, yeah, we nearly had 15 finishes as well with yeah. uh, Vettel and Verstappen both going off. I'm amazed yeah, so how they kept Verstappen going. got it going again. Like How he didn't beach that it, in that gravel, I don't know. Although I didn't realise it at the time, when I came to look at the results, part of me kind of wished that that had ended differently, <laughs> just for an extra point over Chris, but oh well. <laughs> the crazy thing this week is, I think, I haven't looked at the full table, I think almost everyone who entered had Kubica's finishing position the same as their number of finishers because I think every race up until this point, he's been last on the road. And this is the yeah. first time he hasn't when he was random driver. Yeah. It's typical, isn't it? It is Absolutely. pretty typical. Um, a lot of Hamilton wins in there as well were people's points. Um, the top three scorers this week uh, in particular, there's Jeremy Simkin, Natalie Chartrand uh, and Julianne Prestis have all scored three points. Everyone else was two or less. All going for a Lewis win. And then a bit of a mi- mixture of like Boss Paul. Jeremy got correct 
first DNF with Magnussen, and then you all got 17 finishes spot on. So three points to all of you. And in terms of the top three in the table, I believe that's still the same as it was previously. But Timothy George is leading the way with 19 points overall. Neil Hyde in second with 18, and Katie O'Brien in a third with 16 points. As for us, Stu, you say on nine points, which keeps you in 59th. And me and Chris have reeled you in a little bit. We're on eight points now in 77th together. Catching you up. Just about. Yeah, best predictions. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, remember, you can submit your own predictions uh, after every preview episode as soon as the site goes live. Yeah. Uh, at .com. Then uh, We've got some news here. Um, Chris, do you, who added this news in? Who wants to do the news? I, I added it, but me and Chris, I guess, were following it closest. <laughs> so it could be either of us. Do you want to do it, Chris? Yeah, go on, you just do predictions. Um, yeah, as you mentioned last week, it was also the Formula E finale uh, this weekend, the two races in New York. Uh, and John Verne sealed the Formula E title to become the first uh, double champion uh, in that series. Uh, Tachita also won the Constructors title, making it the first time the Constructor Constructors title and the driver's title were from the same team. So full to cheetah dominance. He didn't make it easy for himself. Verne had an absolute shocking first race uh, and got in a couple of different incidents uh, and ended up scoring no points. Um, but it was Buemi and Freund who won the two races, which means Degrassi and Evans were the only two who could beat him and neither of them scored enough. So Verne just did enough to win that title. But yeah, they were two very messy, strange races. So yeah. he did well to... Uh, struggle through it all to come out of it with the title yeah definitely um but yeah congratulations to him he's been very 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 good this season as we've mentioned a couple of times so he probably deserves it um and i think that's probably all the news there is this week yeah, <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing else worth noting at this point anyway okay who wants to do the first message let's do some inbox then who's 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 got the first message i'm talking so i'll do the first one uh, Trevor writes in to say, I took an interest in F1 after watching the Netflix special and I'm enjoying my first season as a fan. We've had a few people say that, haven't we? Yeah. Netflix yeah, is doing yeah. its work. Uh, however, there's one thing I cannot understand. Why is everyone giving Gasly such a hard time? From yeah. what I can tell, he's the least skilled driver of the top three teams and he's currently in sixth place ahead of Ricardo and other very skilled drivers. What are the fans expecting from him? Does anyone actually see him beating his teammates or the top two teams at this point in his career? I can't help but feel like he is right where he should be in the standings. Hmm. So it's a very good well, point. Pe people are looking at the timesheets, aren't they? That's why. It's, it's not just about how many points you've got in Formula One. It's about how close you are to your teammate, and it's about beating your teammate. And if you don't, if you can't beat your teammate, and if indeed you're multiple seconds behind him per session, then you know that's that's fairly strong evidence to say that you uh, the standard hmm. isn't where it should be. Yeah. So I think that off the top of my head, I'd say that's the most likely reason why people are giving him a hard time. I, I think as well, sticking with that is you're always going to be compared to your teammate, no matter how, you know, the gulf of experience or whatever, there's always going to be some kind of comparison there. But I think like we sort of touched upon a little bit earlier, that if this performance this weekend where he seemed to be a lot more on par and yeah fair enough Max was still the better driver out of the two of them but Gasly was definitely more in and around that top six mix so I think if he can continue that run and he's finally comfortable within the car and and things are going in his direction I think that a little bit of the doubting around him I guess would probably die down but hmm. it's 
it's a very difficult position to be in the one that is in and it's a very high profile seat on the grid which is why he comes in for so much criticism so although he's relatively about right in the standings people want people expect him to be doing better than that because of the privilege that he has, I guess, been in a top three team. Like you're expected to perform week in, week out and be at your absolute peak. And we've not quite yeah. seen that from him yet since he moved to Red Bull, despite his really good performances in Toro Rosso. And I think like mentioned Ricardo in that question, that's also another part of his problem is that I guess you won't have seen this with it being your first season other than Netflix special, but we've had, what was it, three seasons of Ricardo and Verstappen being teammates and being incredibly close to each other at all yeah. times. So for Gasly to step into that seat and not be incredibly close kind of instantly puts a, a black mark against his name, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally, for sure. But he's going the right direction. This weekend especially, he was, I mean, he topped a session, didn't he? He topped uh, one of the practice sessions. Yeah, uh, practice three. Yeah, final practice. he's, was he's going the right direction for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Jim Bob says, Hi, chaps. Long time listener, first time messenger. I have to say that this was the race of the year by a wide margin and probably one of the best in the turbo hybrid era. Some of the best racing I've seen in years. Gutted Norris didn't finish in the points. I have a question to ask you without asking for anyone's political standpoint. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, what effect do you all think Brexit will have on F1 teams specifically, given that over half of the grid is based in Britain currently? Um, um, I'm going to let one of you two answer that. Well, a, a few teams have already actually talked about this. There's two kind of main problems from it. One is just physically moving goods and parts around because... If, if rules of that change and F1 team is like any other company in the world that operates worldwide from the UK in that there's a potential for things to take longer to move across borders, which obviously if you're trying to fly parts out to a race, especially for testing, when they often literally will fly in new parts every single day of testing, um, if stuff's getting held up at borders, that's going to make life very, mm. very difficult for you. Um, in fact, McLaren mentioned a real world example. I think it was last year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. For no apparent reason, about three or four of their crates got held up in customs and they were within 24 hours of not being able to take part in practice one because they had a bunch of equipment just stuck in customs. So if that becomes a more common issue, obviously that's going to cause um, big problems. Um, and then the other side of it that's been mentioned is just from a personnel point of view. Um Although teams are based in the UK, they tend to have quite a international workforce. And if it's harder for people to come over here to work, then it's going to mean teams based here have a kind of smaller pool of people to pick from. Uh, River Bene obviously is not around at Ferrari anymore, but he said last year that if the worst does happen and it is very difficult for people to move to the UK for work, that he'll be expecting a lot of knocks on the door in Maranello. <laughs> but for the sport as a whole, that's not a situation he particularly wanted to happen. So that's kind of the gist of it. I know F1 teams have kind of, a few of them at least, have kind of talked about this and kind of trying to put in contingency plans and stuff. But yeah, without getting too political, I still don't think anyone knows whether any of that's going to happen or not. So yeah, it's all very wait and see. I 
don't think there's much else I can add to that because it covers just about the key points. Yeah, so. that's that's the yeah. two main things, really. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to add to that. <laughs> then I shall read the next inbox message. Uh, Charlie says, uh, Hey, guys, hope you're doing well after what I can only assume was an exhausting weekend, uh, but I'll get straight to the point. Do you think the Vettel incident robbed us of seeing another epic climb to P1 from Verstappen? Or do you think Mercedes are back to their mostly Ooh. untouchable form uh, in the more favourable conditions? It's an interesting question. Uh, Red Bull reckoned P2 was on. Do you reckon? Red Bull said that they thought he could have challenged for P2. I think that's a stretch, personally. I think mm. that's a bit of a stretch. Out of interest, how it's far possible. behind Bottas was the clear? Do we know? Um, because he would have been ahead of that he but if he'd overtaken Vettel and survived. About five, <laughs> about five and a half seconds, I think. He might have but been able was, to, then, you know. Maybe. 30, He'd have at least given him a run for his money. Almost... It was five point two seconds behind. Yeah. at the uh, at the flag. Okay. So actually, yeah, he might have been within touching distance. I, I think I he'd have at least I had a sniff Bottas, of it. We, Bottas... we know Max; he would have at least had a sniff of it and gone for it. Um, whether he'd have actually been able to make it stick or or actually give the Merc a run for his running uh, money is another matter. Nah, but... No chance. Bottas was on way fresher tires. Remember. Plus, we don't know how much Bottas was kind of coasting at that point. He knew he wasn't going to win the yeah, race. True. He knew he had the measure yeah. of Leclerc. He was probably coasting at home. Yeah, they, they'd already pitted him to defend against the worst in case Verstappen did. That's what they pitted him for at the end. He didn't necessarily need to pit yeah. him. Yeah. But they wanted him on fresh tyres in case that Verstappen attack did come. And it made sense to pit him while he had a window where he yeah. wasn't going to come out behind Leclerc. So... If Verstappen did catch him, he could have used those tyres to stay ahead. Yeah, I suppose the reason that window was down to five seconds with Leclerc is because of that pit stop, isn't it? So Exactly, yeah. 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 It would have been more like a 25-second gap, I think, if um, yeah. if he'd not pitted. Third, then. He'd have had third. Is that our assumption on, on that yeah, basis? Yeah, I think third, yes, yeah, second, well, yeah, if a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Um, final question? Uh, is yours is, is mine <laughs> i have it uh, it's from chris begby who says the last two races have been two of the better if not best races this season i'd agree with that uh, and each track has boundaries that cause the cars damage if they go off track what are your thoughts on tracks being made to include grass gravel or unsavory elements to the track to keep races on track element. and on the racing line can the fia mandate that um i think unsavory elements is pushing it <laughs> <laughs> i mean some of those sausage curbs are pretty unsavory for an f1 car yeah um can the fia mandate that i'm not sure to be honest well in a way yes because yeah. they're the ones that decide the grading of the circuit and whether it's suitable for f1 so if they decided that it had to have certain elements to be to keep its grading yeah, for true. f1 then yes um it's the FIA it's, who determined that sausage curbs do need to be put in to stop cars going off track at certain yeah, points exactly. and stuff like that. So yeah, the answer to that is yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Things like grass and gravel, not so much. Um, it's but we all like we're all with you though. We all like grass and gravel, like absolutely. They're good for like that's why Spa's so good. Silverstone, Spa, um, Austria. Uh, sorry, Red Bull Ring. Um, all those, like, you know, Monza, all those traditional racetracks that have big grass runoff areas and mm. less tarmac and, you know, more gravel traps and things like that, 
they they are like sort of your better racers that don't have big tarmac car parks outside them because they do cause incidents. Yeah, and the other factor as well is probably one of the arguments for the for the sort of tarmac runoffs has been in the past that it keeps more cars in the race to to produce better racing is is like kind of one of the arguments for it, which I'd kind of understand if that were factual, but. It doesn't work like that, does it? Like we don't suddenly see twenty cars constantly finishing every race that's not got a gravel trap, and then only ten cars finishing when there is gravel traps because they're all going off into it. Like it's not. It, you, I don't think that argument's ever really had any justification that no. by doing that you're keeping more cars in the race um, because the drivers are just more careful when those elements are there, and it does produce that like that on track fight, I guess because they know that where they've got to do it because there isn't the runoff and stuff like that. So, I mean, we did have the situation this race where Giovinazzi made one mistake and that was his race done because there was a gravel trap there. True. And I guess you could make the argument that do we want to have one mistake ends a driver's race? But then again, on the flip side, he knew there's a gravel trap there. He shouldn't be <laughs> sticking a wheel on the grass on the way into it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting I suppose, one. I, see, I suppose that's an example of what I'm talking about, where that's the reason that they, they, they try and avoid some of that because yeah, exactly. he would have still been in the race. So I, I understand that that is the logic, but it's not like something else couldn't have happened and that retired. Like, the, the fact that both Seb and Max got out of a gravel trap yeah. shows that they don't necessarily end races. And if anything, they might have saved Max's race because him getting caught in the gravel and being able to drive away from it stopped him skidding along what could have been tarmac and into a tyre barrier. So if anything, yeah, <laughs> like it's swings and roundabouts, I guess. Like these arguments both way for both setups. In the past, we've always said that it's probably on 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 here. We've we've all said that it's better to have sort of the more traditional tracks that naturally penalize yeah. mistakes. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, that's the sentiment really, isn't it? That we're trying to get to like, yeah, you want to, you want a track that's going to punish mistakes. Yeah. And we, we saw that in Austria and it, it you know, as um, Chris Begby says, it was one of the best races of the season. Yeah. And yeah, those, those kinds of tracks with natural, punishing i think in, after canada as well we mentioned um tracks that naturally punish drivers yeah like they're the best racer and even in canada that that is a, to be fair that is a track that naturally punishes drivers yeah. for making mistakes it's just mm. maybe in the instance of that incident didn't punish quite hard enough. <laughs> um but, um, but we don't want to get back into that don't go back yeah, to incident not, 1.0 go down that road. we'll just finish <laughs> no, with 3.0 no. don't go back yeah, <laughs> yeah we're on the incident incident part trois. <laughs> So in answer to the question, yes, the FIA can mandate it. Whether, and they are trying to do that with things like when there is a runoff area, they'll try and put those barriers in to make them drive around yeah. and stuff as well. That's the other thing. So That's the alternative to the grass and gravel, isn't it, really, is putting something in that slows them down when they are on tarmac to punish them. Yes. That's it. Have we, we, had a competi- we, we ran a competition that we've not mentioned. We did. Um, we asked for... Uh, you to get snaps of us with their flag either in person or uh on tv and loads and loads of you did so many that we've not been able to 
collate them all in the short time we've been home since getting back from the race. Uh, plus, I don't trust my brain in this current state to do a proper job of that because I'm yeah. just mentally exhausted. <laughs> um, but we will collate all those over the next uh, few days uh, and we'll pick a winner in the next episode who will get a nice piece of merch of some description. Yeah. So if you did get any any snaps of the flag while you were at the race, um, be sure to share them with us yeah, uh, on Twitter at, at Back of the Grid F1, um, Facebook, search for Back of the Grid, and on Instagram, we are at Back of the Grid. And of course, you can use the hashtag BOTG or BOTG, as I like to say, to, uh, to tag them. Yeah. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Thanks very much for listening. We will see you for the German Grand Prix preview in a week's time. So goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.